It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, Korean hip-hop legend and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Give a warm welcome, Dan Kruger. Thanks, everyone. So, as many of you know and have been observing, things have changed in the last couple of years. And one of the biggest questions that we get now that it's fall, well, into fall 2022, is what's changed? Because I, as a coach, I'm noticing a couple of different things that seem to be different about the way kids make decisions and they're not acting the same, they're not doing stuff in the same timeline. Am I just the only one? Is it just our school or our program? Or is that going on everywhere? And folks, it's going on everywhere. So when we were talking to the convention about what to talk about this year, they even had said one of the things that coaches are coming to us about is that in recruiting, it has started to look and feel a little bit different this year. So I wanted to dive in, and what we did was research all the all the stuff that we do with um, client programs, especially in track and field around the country, uh, where that's one of our main jobs is that we help programs create their messaging and manage it going out to their recruits, and we try to get the most responses as possible, and we get feedback from the people that we, or the, the kids that we will um, do focus groups with. So everything that you're gonna see today is not my opinion. Uh, it is what we see happening, what the kids have told us, what the parents have told us, what coaches have told us as they go through the recruiting process. And some of you have been a part of that uh, in, in terms of uh, providing that feedback as clients in an effort to try to get you to maybe tweak a couple of things that you might be doing now that you did three or four or five years ago that maybe should change. And maybe some things that should be done uh, a little bit different. Um, it's, anytime I put the word trend up on a slide, uh, my wife laughs at, at me because I am the least trendiest person in the world. Uh, I, I don't follow any trends. I was on a campus in Northern California this fall uh, working with a client and we were doing uh, sort of an evaluation of their campus visit and what kids are hearing. And so we were working with a couple of the, the student athletes and we were walking around campus and saw somebody dressed uh, I thought not that great and before I said hey is there a homeless problem across the street or something she saw the look on my face she said yeah that's one of the admissions counselors um, so I had never heard of low-rise pants before that's low-rise pants not for me guys I don't follow that trend you may follow, not follow that trend but there are people on campuses around the country that take fashion very seriously, that's one of the big fashion trends for this year. Uh, so whether we like it or not, whether we want to have it happen or not, trends happen. Kids, parents, in this case in recruiting, follow them, and we have to at least be aware of it. Even if we don't want to dress like them, and even if we don't think that it's something that uh, I would do as a recruiter, I would do as a coach, a lot of these things that I'm going to go over are happening, and. Uh, I want to make sure that it's, uh, it sort of demystifies the process of what's going on maybe with some of your recruiting. So hopefully some of the things sound a little familiar and we're able to provide some answers as to maybe what to do differently. Uh, a lot of this too is based on what we learned during COVID. So of course in recruiting, COVID changed everything. We published a study back in 2020 interviewing kids that were in the middle of going through recruiting decisions in COVID 
uh, and uh, release that to some programs. And I want to go back to a couple of different stats just to provide some context of where I think a lot of this originated with this group of athletes. Because again, I want you to be able to go back to your campus and do things differently, but I want you to understand why you're doing things differently if you choose to do that. So one of the big things that we asked is, what, what is your worry? Now that you're in the middle of COVID, what is the big worry? And without going through all the detail and to save some time, their number one concern, and you probably heard this too, is that now that I'm at college, or now that even in high school, as a high school student getting recruited, I feel like I'm getting less of an education. Boy, this is really bad. Doing the Zoom, doing things remotely just wasn't the same. And for college students, hey, I'm, I'm paying the same rate I was paying when I was here and in the dorms and having fun, and now I'm paying the same thing uh, to do it online. This is not right, this is not the same. So they had a big concern about, and for, really for the first time in the 20 years that we've been measuring, a spike in saying, hey, I'm now aware of, am I getting the value for what I'm paying for? And the answer increasingly was no. The other two things, when we talked about, okay, as you go through the decision-making, what are the decision-making factors now? And cost has always been a part of it. I mean, those of you that, that recruit to a D3 school, or even those that, that aren't offering, you know, all your, all your kids full-ride scholarships, even at the Division I level, cost always becomes an issue. And it always has been. Well, this spiked a lot during COVID, where now all of a sudden, hey, I'm not sure my parents are going to have a job or they've had to reduce time. I, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so when that happens, we start worrying about the money that we're spending, as well as the education quality. Those two things jumped to the top of how they were making decisions. So what we saw was coaches that didn't change the way that they were approaching, hey, you're going to look at our facility at, at, you know, at our school, look at the championships we've won. If that was the main focus during COVID, they struggled more than they did before COVID. Why? Because these kids, these parents, the decision makers, were focused on the cost. They were focused on, am I getting the quality? Prove it to me that I'm going to get that at your school. And the other thing that we noticed is a big awareness that transfer was an option. 64% uh, during COVID in 2020 said they were either actively considering or would consider a transfer if something didn't turn out the way that they thought. So you put all those things together. So they're starting to, to recognize and evaluate and measure the value that they're getting from their overall athletic experience and academic experience. They're looking at costs and understanding, is college worth it? And that phrase, folks, is going to be something you're going to be dealing with more and more in the, last, in the next 10 years because that's more of a question that's being asked. Is college worth it? Should I pay that much? And there's a willingness never, that we haven't seen before to transfer. So you put all those things together, that's the context I want to go into this with because a lot of that has carried over into what I think are these trends. So I want to go over five. And as we go over these, um, and if we're going to go through them, if we go through them too fast and you want, um, you want to go back through them, I'm going to give you a way afterwards to email me and I'll send you all the notes that you're going to see up here, plus a lot of stuff that from a detail standpoint, we just couldn't put in a presentation. So I'll, I'll give you that at the end. But we want to go over five trends. And look, as we do this, you know, in the same way that not everybody is going to start wearing low-rise pants just because that's a fashion trend, this is not universal. This isn't every one of your prospects necessarily demonstrating these trends. But I want you to be aware of it 
because for the ones that are, you need to act and react differently in the recruiting process. And we're finding that coaches are do, doing what we uh, are going to teach you to do, have seen things get back a little bit to normal in terms of the response rates and moving ahead with the recruiting process. So we're going to go through these. Trend number one, these athletes are narrowing their decisions sooner. I'm taking those 20 schools and narrowing it down to five or six or four sooner in the process, but they are deciding, making their final decision a little later. Not drastically later, but they're dragging it out. And there's a couple of reasons why we feel that that's happened. And you may ask the question, okay, so why are they narrowing their choice sooner? You take the context of what we just talked about, worried about money, I'm a little stressed about, am I, is this worth it? Am I going to get a good education? Is the experience going to be good? Uh, I don't have the mental capability sometimes as an athlete or a parent, especially if they're going through this for the first time, to weigh all that plus everything else that I see going on in the world, my job, inflation, all the stuff that's affecting now families. I don't have the, cho I, I don't have the bandwidth for that, and so I have to whittle it down just for my own sanity. And we hear kids talking about, yeah, I, I love hearing from coaches. I love the idea that a lot of coaches are recruiting me, but I can't talk to all of them, and I can't I need to whittle this down. So they're narrowing down their choice sooner for a very practical reason. They just can't handle a lot of interaction with coaches. And also, I think they're bringing an air of practicality into that narrowing down, which I'll talk about in a second. What should you do as a coach? If you, and, and of course, many of you are, are in the middle of or, or starting to wrap up your 2023 recruiting in many event groups, you're looking ahead to 2024. With kids that you're early in the process with, certainly with the 2024 class, what you have to do is explain to them as soon as possible why, not what you have at your school, but why they should want to run, compete, throw, jump for you. The why behind it is really, really important. Not what you have, but why they should look at you as the better option. Why should they choose you? How do you do that? You know we're big on consistent communication, the written communication, the story that you tell bit by bit by bit over a long course of time. Many of you have seen that work very well. Some of you don't send out much written communication. As we move forward, my recommendation is if you want good, consistent uh, response, you want increased number of kids coming to your school, you want to go on the higher range of what we're talking about versus the lower range and struggling, you have to demonstrate that you're serious about them. You have to tell your story in written form. So I can, as, an, as, an, as a student athlete, I can read it, I can reread it, I can show my parents, I can stack it on my desk, I can pick it up a month later and I can read it again, read it again, read it again. That's what they're doing. For those of you that aren't providing that written communication about the why behind your program, you are hurting yourselves unnecessarily. With just a little bit of effort, a little bit of time to tell your story, that's what you should do as a coach. It will help when it comes to you being one of the schools that they narrow down to. Why does it make sense for them now to delay the decision? I think it's very practical from the early indications that we're getting. It revolves a lot around money, especially with track and field athletes. If I wait, maybe they'll give me more. If I wait, maybe there will be that one program who gives me the 50% scholarship instead of the 10% scholarship or the full. 
They're waiting because it becomes very practical. I don't know if I can afford to go to that college. And my parents are telling me, we don't know if you could afford to go to that type of college. Maybe you should go to a junior college first. I had a coach last night, bumped into him. We talked for about 15 minutes, and he said probably, he's a D2 coach. One of the things he's seeing is that more and more kids, he thought about half his prospect list, were now talking about junior college options more than they had before. And folks, it's just practical. It's not anything against you. It's that they are trying to figure out how to go through uh, the, the, the time that we're living in. So when I delay that, it puts off this decision. I can take my, my, my finite number, my reduced number of schools, and I can go longer with them and really dig into which one is best. And maybe if I wait, they'll give me more money because that's what they're learning at high school admissions workshops and the things that are going on in their, you know, their local school and community. People will come in and say, here's how to play the game with colleges and college coaches and they're playing the game. I'm gonna do it with a reduced number of schools. I'll wait longer because maybe then you'll give me more money. And for some of you, the answer is, yeah, if you wait, we're probably gonna to have to give you more money. And they know that. So that's what's going on. That's why they're delaying that decision. So how should coaches approach the later decisions? What you have to decide, number one, is how, how long are you willing to wait? This gets into something we talked about last year that I know impacted a lot of you with timelines and deadlines and setting those and establishing those and sticking to those. That's a big part of the answer. We're not going to get into detail about that. If you have defined for that athlete when the start of the process is and what the end of the process is, and they know the space they have to operate within, and you're not going to deviate from that, that drives decisions. It's an oversimplistic way to put it because we can't get into the whole psychology behind that in this session. Uh, maybe one of the things that I'll, that I'll add into the packet that we're going to send you at the end if, if you want it. But just understand that when you give kids an unlimited amount of time to decide, and you don't have a, a loose time at least of either this month or this time of year or some sort of end process in place, in their mind, I can just keep waiting. And that's what frustrates you. And then some coach somewhere, somebody else in this room jumps in and says, we need a decision yes or no, and that's when they give their decision. So I would define for them as soon as possible how late, at the latest point that they can decide, what is the most uh, far out date that, I can, that, that you can decide as a prospect. But if I want them before then, I'm going to ask them to commit before then. A deadline is not when you ask everybody, a deadline is this is the latest time that you can decide to come compete for our program. And not enough coaches going into this fall have done that and it's hurting and that's one of the things that you should approach certainly for the 2024 class uh, differently. Trend number two, coaches are not talking about money and it's causing a lack of interest. Dan, I can't talk about money. We're a division three school, that's financial aid. I can't tell them any of that. Or that's admissions, they've got to put this package together, that's not my job. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, if we want them or I, I want to delay that because I want to see if we can get them for X. And if we have to, then we can add 20% to X later on. Um, all the things that you're doing and have done before COVID that traditionally have worked are going to work less and less and less because if I'm a practical family and the student athlete is listening to mom and dad and mom and dad are looking at the dollars and cents 
and now everything is costing a little bit more, and I, at the end of the day, we have to be able to live. You not talking about money is doing two things. First of all, it's frustrating the parents and the student-athlete because they're trying to make a financial decision now more than ever. And for you, it's, it, you're creating a list of recruits that aren't real serious about your school at the price point they think you're going to come in at, and so they never really take you seriously. I'm not sure if I can get to campus. Hey, coach, I got this I'm in basketball season or something, and I'm, I'm not, you know, maybe in the spring. There's not an urgency to come to campus. Why? Because I've got decisions to make that are very practical, and you're not giving me as a coach the practical information that I need, and it centers around money. Why? They are fast-tracking their list of serious candidates. Remember I talked about they're narrowing sooner, they're extending then the decision out. I have to figure out which coaches we're going to take seriously. I may, another practical point is I may not be able to afford to go to seven different campuses and take unofficial visits and look around even as much as I would want to. So I as a family, I as a student athlete, or as a parent, I have to figure out which ones are most serious about me. The two things that parents, parents have told us are deciding factors for their family. Number one, have we heard from the head coach? I say number one, this is not the most important. There's two things. The first thing I'll mention is, am I hearing from the head coach? Is our family, are we getting something with the head coach? Either they've called, they've texted, there's something in writing from the head coach. We feel like the head coach is communicating with, it, with us. That tells us we're important. That might get us closer to uh, putting that, af that program up in, that, in that, um, that narrowed down group. The second thing is, have they talked about a scholarship or the money that they would give us? And that's the mindset that they're coming in with, and I don't blame them for that. This is, you're playing your game as a coach, creating your roster. They're playing their game for their son or their daughter and their family, trying to get as much money for college as possible through the track athlete. And so they're fast-tracking their list of serious candidates, and the way they're doing it is who's most serious about us, and rightly or wrongly, one of the things that they are looking at is, have we heard anything about money? A lot of you would say, oh, Dan, we get to the money when they come to campus, that's when we sit down, we go in detail, but we want to get them to campus first. My response to that, based on what we've seen this fall, and even at the end of, you know, the middle to end of last year, which is sort of, you know, coming really out of COVID, you're not going to get kids to campus if this topic doesn't, get coming, uh, doesn't come up before they get to campus. And let me say that again. You are losing prospects coming to campus because there's no discussion, there's no context that they have in their mind about what you could or would likely be offering them, or at least a general idea that there is something on the table. Not saying that that's the way I would want it if I were a coach. That's the way that they're making their decisions, and I need to make you aware of it, because if you can talk in some way, shape, or form about money, what they're going to get, what they're in line for, what you're going to even, what you're going to talk to them about specifically on campus regarding scholarships, as long as they know there is something that also moves you into that, that talk group we're finding. Um, again, the economic impact of COVID and inflation is the biggest decision-making change that you have seen probably in the last 10 years. The two combined, we're coming out of a crisis, and I'm sort of shaken from that. I've got this context we went over at the start. I'm carrying that over. And plus now, things are costing more. 
if I hear my parents talking about things costing more, am I, as a parent, we're trying to figure out cost because we thought this was going to be okay to, to send them to that type of school, but now we're, saying, we're, we're having questions about that. That's what not talking about money is causing, is confusion uh, on the part of, of the, uh, the student athlete and the parent, and it's causing delay and we don't, we don't want that. Uh, money should be one of the first conversations you have with prospects and the parents. You get questions all the time. Dan, you're honest about talking to parents and having these phone calls. I don't know if I want to talk to parents, but if I did, what in the world do I talk to them about? Because we don't really know them. We're just getting to know their student athlete. What's the topic? Easy answer. Money. The parents have pushed and supported their child with the idea that them running, jumping, throwing, vaulting, is going to pay for college. That's what they've been told. Personal coaches, they're on a club team, high school team, that's the message. You go to college, because hey, we know those three football players at school last year, they got full ride scholarships, you're gonna get the same thing in track and field, we know that that's not the case. And they need to know that that's not the case, because the sooner that you tell me as a parent that what it's going to cost. And if that's done early, I might be disappointed or even a little shocked or surprised. I might be a little ticked off, but at least I have time to get used to the idea. For coaches that are waiting to the very end or they get to campus or I finally give you your offer after you've been to campus and it's way more, way different than I thought it was going to be as a parent and a prospect, that's when things come crashing to the ground because they feel like you should have told me this before, no way we can afford this, we thought this, we thought that, and it's almost bordering on rage towards you. What you were, what, this is not, you're not bad people. You were trying to be polite, you were trying to get them interested, show them everything, and then say, okay, now let's talk about money. I need you, if you're serious about addressing this trend, to completely flip-flop that model. First thing you talk about is money. Dan, I don't have any, we don't have money to give. Again, we're a Division three school, or in this event group, it's not a huge priority for us. They're going to have to walk on, or I might be able to give them a little bit of book money or something, but not much. That needs to be discussed at the start. The idea that, hey, we can get them to fall in love with us, and they're going to see the facility, and we're going to talk about the championships, or how I'm going to, all this stuff, we're going to, they'll love us by the end, and they'll be willing to pay for it. Nope. 10, 15 years ago, maybe, I'd see that logic, but not now. Things have changed, especially this fall. The first thing you need to do is go and talk to parents. If that was the one thing you did after this, when you get back to campus uh, next week, please, if you have not talked to parents at all, contact every one of the parents of your prospects and explain you're recruiting their son or their daughter, you haven't had a chance to talk to them, you really want to get to know them. Step number one, just create the relationship and that conduit. You don't have to worry about them being too involved once they get to campus, there's a way to separate that, but at the start they need to know that you're serious about them, and especially if you're a head coach, that they are hearing from you, and you spend some time on the phone with them, and you start writing occasionally to them and telling your story. But when you ask the question, so do you have any questions? They are either going to come out with what I'm talking about here, they're going to ask you that question, or they're going to feel a little bit uneasy about asking it, but it's on their mind. Please bring it up. Look, I need you to know right now, as a Division three school, we don't have athletic scholarships. But 
schools will still likely give you a lot of money to come here and you talk about that. You're a Division I coach. We don't offer full rides for our athletes. But, and then explain, are there ways to, you know, as they get better, they start qualifying for conference or get an NCAA time, does that qualify them for more money? Explain the process to them. Because look, as a, as a coach, one of your jobs is not so much to keep kids and, and prospects on your list. Uh, what we encourage our clients to do, and I'm gonna encourage you to do it, is you as a coach should actively work to figure out which kids are completely wrong for you and are not going to come to your school without a full ride scholarship. Because you got kids on your list back in the office that are fitting exactly that category. And you're going to spend time with them and go out and watch them and communicate and spend hours and hours talking to them. And there is no chance that they're going to come to your school because you're not going to give them a full ride scholarship. And I, as a recruiter, as a coach, I have to identify those kids and as painful as it is, get them off that, that whiteboard or off that Excel sheet and put them somewhere else and get another kid on the list that is more fitting the profile of our school. I want to get the no as soon as possible. Talking about money sooner, if, it's it, if you're in the game, they will so appreciate it and they will gravitate towards you. If there is no chance they're going to come to your school, you've just saved yourself six to 15 to 18 months of recruiting that athlete who is never going to come to your school. Um, and, and overall, again, families just don't have the bandwidth right now to handle a lot of options, uh, which again is why they're extending it out and why they're so focused on money. I have to, as a family, as a parent, talk to the schools where it, they're going to give us something that gets us into the range where we can pay for that school. And the sooner you define that, the sooner I put you more in that category of uh, one of the schools that we are going to take seriously. Trend number three. Prospects are leaning on parents even more. We're going to stick with the topic of parents for a second. Uh, they're leaning on parents even more. Before the pandemic, we saw them leaning heavily. Um, one of the stats we, we pulled uh, that we had before, um, before COVID started was an athlete will listen to the advice of a parent or the opinion of a parent 91% of the time. In other words, my mom says, don't go there or go there. 91% of the time, I'm going to follow that advice. That was strong. We're seeing that in, in the, same, uh, the same numbers at the end, certainly. But through the process, kids, because there's some economic stress, and they've, they've heard the stories, they've maybe heard their parents talk about, you know, er, you know, things are going up in costs, we don't know what we can afford. They're now more sort of sensitive to the fact of, wait, so... Can we afford this? Can I do this? And they're wondering, how much is this going to cost? Because now they're feeling a little guilt. I don't want to put my parents in a bad situation. And again, this isn't with all your prospects, but it's with a growing number and a significant number, and they include ones that are, that are on your list. Um, money, evaluating a college in terms of the overall experience and eliminating risk. The kids are saying, that's my mom and dad's territory. I still want to have fun. I still want to go and choose a, you know, I'm going to like the dorms at that school best, and I might, that might be where I want to go. So the important stuff, I'm going, to, I'm going to shift over to my parents. Again, you're a coach, you're still asking, well, why, why should I talk to the parents? Do I have to talk to the parents? You have to, because in the eyes and the mind of your prospect, that's the parent's job, is to help them figure out the hard stuff, and we're talking about the hard stuff. 
So even more, we're seeing them lean on their parents. Uh, there's more behind-the-scenes opinions, and parents are researching and talking to their parents about what strategy should I use to get the most money from coaches. So they're now more involved throughout the process, where I think before the pandemic, what we saw was parents would stand back and they'd supervise. They'd make sure, you know, they didn't fall off the jungle gym, but, you know, let them play. And we saw that in recruiting, too. Now what we see is very practical, very sort of honest, hey, look, you just can't go to that type of a college. Or unless they give you this, and then they give their opinion. Or I heard that school costs this. I don't know that they offer athletic scholarships. So when I talk about the importance of defining sort of who you are, what your school's about, what they can give, what you can give, what you can't give, it is to par partially to combat the void that gets created by, by not defining that and then leaving parents and kids to their own devices to figure out what you do offer. And if I go to some of your websites and I look at what the cost of college is, my immediate reaction is, I can't afford that. We, they're off the list. And I know they don't offer, offer athletic scholarships, so we can't afford to pay 52000 48000 whatever the cost is. In reality, you know, a lot of your kids come in, Division three school, we've been using that example, you might only end up paying twenty-two through different academic programs. But I don't talk about that as a coach. I don't define that. Or is it a Division I or Division II where there is some athletic scholarship money or NEIA? I don't define what that total cost is going to be as soon as possible. I, as a parent, I, as the student athlete, create my own reality. I answer my own questions, mostly wrong. But I answer those because I need answers. I can't just go through this process and not know, so I invent my own answers. Or somebody else that you're competing with in this room is happy to define you for that family. They're more than happy to do it. And they will. So you as the person that is recruiting that family, you have to take the lead because that's what's going on behind the scenes and it has to be more and more with the parents. Uh, imperative to build an early relationship with them in the process. Once you do, you get to define what you can offer, the context for why they should be interested, and everything else that might be a negative. I get to define that instead of them defining it themselves, which, as you have probably experienced, goes off the rail really quickly, and then you have to try to repair it. Or somebody in this room gets to them first and says, you don't want to go there because of this, this, and this or I know they don't offer a lot of money. Now that becomes my reality. Somebody in the college athletic sphere just told me a reality about your school. Maybe it's not a reality, but I think it is. What do I do? I push you to the side. You keep calling, you keep texting. You're gonna to come to campus, hey, coach, I'll try to figure it out. Yeah, I think you're still on my list. They're not coming, because I've already defined you. I don't wanna be mean or have you yell at me, so I just don't tell you I'm not interested anymore. And a big thing we're seeing this fall is coaches that don't define themselves and do it with the parents included in the process. They're not getting as many visits. They're not getting uh, the number of athletes that are going deeper into the process. And that's what we've been able to identify. That's one of the reasons why. Um, establishing your worth, establishing to them why they should be interested, even if it's not a full scholarship, why it's worth it to pay what we're going to ask you to pay. Not just from a track and field perspective, but 
career-wise, academically, social life, who they're going to be around, who they're going to meet, whatever you can talk about is an advantage to your college, that is important for a parent to hear. Because again, remember, they're throughout the process now giving their opinion to the student-athlete. So if that's my conduit, if that's my advertising to that student-athlete, it's through the parent, I may not want it, but that's the reality, shouldn't I be telling the story to the parent so that the parent then tells the story to the student-athlete and helps them to find the interest level? And yeah, we should go visit this campus. And we should take them seriously. Oh, okay, mom and dad says that's an option. Now I'm gonna probably get back to the coach. Now I'm gonna to wanna to talk because now that's a possibility. And I, again, as a student athlete, and many of you are younger, you didn't go through this process too long ago where you remember it was hard to emotionally invest in a place if I didn't feel like that place was realistic as a possibility, either due to distance or, or money or you know, some other factor. But I wanted, to be, I, I wanted to be nice, and so I didn't tell the coach that, but it was hard to get emotionally involved. And yet, as coaches in the room, what do we want? I want a kid that wants to be here. I don't want to talk to a kid if they don't want to be a part of what we're building here. Well, coach, there's the gap. You want them to be, you want their heart to be involved. They're protecting their heart from getting hurt. If I can't go there, you have to be the one to bridge the gap. That's what we're finding in the parents and establishing the worth, not just academically, not just from a money standpoint, but the long-term worth of your school and your program to that family is what parents need to hear because then they pass it on to the student athletes. Trait number four, the transfer portal is shaping decisions in ways that we're, we didn't expect and that you probably aren't expecting. Um, this, as a little teaser, we're going to talk about this in more detail in an afternoon session that we're doing. So if you can be a part of that, we'll go into a lot more detail. But the trend looks like this. Uh, for you as coaches, you know it's starting to shape decisions because what's happening is that more and more of you and your competitors are setting aside money roster spots for the eventuality that somebody's going to transfer. And that's shaping the way that you might bring in an athlete or may not bring in a high school athlete. It's shaping event group by event group how you, how you are approaching um, what normal recruiting used to look like, and now you're seeing transfers go up and up and up. And you're seeing some of your kids also start to leave. They're starting to go into the transfer portal. So all of a sudden, you have potential incoming a year or two later after the, the high school recruiting process, and you're having to factor in kids that are leaving. And even if they don't leave to go to another school, they're dropping out of school, they're dropping out of their sport at greater numbers than ever. So there's a lot more fluidity in your roster. Um, so recruiting used to be you look at a class, okay, great, we're done with the class of 2023, and pretty much that's stuck for the, for the next four years. What you're finding, more and more, is that the class of 2023, it's a starting point, but it's not the end, and some of the kids I was recruiting in 2023, now they're now back and knocking on my door in 2025. And some of the kids I thought were going to be here for four years, and they thought they were too, they're gone after the first semester. So it's shaping coaches' decisions, because all of you are now basically like baseball general managers that have to account for all these players coming in and out every year. It's making your job a lot harder. Um, how it's shaping the prospect decisions. Prospects 
are starting to ask more and more, hey, are you going to take any transfers in my event group? So if I come here, you have two seniors graduating, that's great. Are you going to be looking for um, you know, transfers coming in to, uh, that, that might affect my ability to, to compete? Um, so it's on everybody's mind, and neither party really knows how to talk about it with the other party. Because you don't want to go in to talk about your transfer portal strategy with a high school athlete you're bringing in that you want. And they don't want to ask it because, first of all, they, they, this is new for them just like it is for you. I don't know really what to ask. Um, the more that you can define how you treat transfers and you get to define it and explain to them, um, you know, if, if somebody is interested, what, what is your philosophy? And in this room, there's, there's dozens of different philosophies on transfer portal athletes. Explain that to them because they're trying to shape their decision around it, and I'd rather have you define it versus somebody else. Um, all this is causing their, their mindset to change. They are thinking more like baseball free agents, that I might be happy here, and I'll give it a year, we'll see. Um, but we've already heard stories now, athletes you know, into their third school of transferring, and not necessarily in track and field, but in different sports. So you're seeing uh, every year the transfer portal go up and up and up in terms of numbers into the thousands and thousands and that's something that is, um, is going to affect your programs. And I talk about the mindset decision of your prospect. The mindset of your current athletes is changing too, which I'm not going to get into a lot of that now, but this afternoon we will, because a big part of the transfer portal recruiting puzzle that we're trying to solve is what do coaches need to do to keep their athletes on campus? Didn't have to used to worry about that. Now you do. And that's something that, again, the parents are playing a role in. Um, we have a family friend that was at a, um, in, in her event group, was at a West Coast D1, and now she's at a Big Ten school, and transferred because mom and dad really didn't think that the coach in that particular event group was doing a good job with, um, with developing her, um, some personality conflicts, a lot of feelings were hurt, their solution a decade ago, what's the advice I, I give as a parent? Look, tough it out. That's your decision. You made the decision. Just do your best with it. Now, wait, they don't like you. They're being mean to you. Transfer portal. So there's a big part of what you as a coach need to do to continually re-recruit your athletes. I don't want to get into that now, but just understand that their mindset is changing. The transfer portal gives them options that could affect you. And that's who we work with, is all of you. So I, I want you to control that process as much as possible because you are now dealing with free agency. And that's what it is. You're not negotiating different contracts necessarily like the pro sports would, but you have the same fluidity. You have to develop a plan for that. Um, because, and that's one of the trends we're seeing this year is all this uncertainty, all the unhappiness, all the stress and everything, I don't know how to handle it. My, my solution might be, if nobody tells me otherwise, let's just switch, switch. Switch landscapes. Maybe a different view. Maybe let's go over here. Let's go back somewhere that's closer to home. A lot of D1 athletes, disillusioned by how much work it is. And I'm going to go back home and go to the D3. Are D3 coaches in here? Are you factoring in what the transfer portal could do for your program? Because it's significant. Free agency, it's changing. Okay, last trend, trend number five. And this is an emerging tiebreaker. So if we jump to the end of the process, and this is like in the last three months as kids have made decisions in track and field and other, other um, 
other sports. Kids are trying to figure out, if you're down to the Final Four, I'm good with the location, I'm pretty understanding about what the money would be, everybody's got a degree, all this, there's a bunch of different things that, that get me to that final, that final four, that final five, I, something I like about every school, but now as a prospect, I have to make a decision. And what we're finding is, again, more practical than in years past, is if I'm an athlete, especially in track and field, where it's an event-based group, and a lot of mechanics involved, the previous session I sat in on, everything you do is so micro-analyzed, and it can make a big change in the performance. That's what I'm trying to do here is this is you're micro-analyzing your recruiting. We're, we're dealing with very micro-subjects that have big changes at the end of the process. At the end of the process, we're hearing more and more kids say, I chose this coach, I chose this school, because I really understood what they were going to do with me or what my role was on the program or on the team in the program and how I was going to develop. Not just in track and field. A lot of football prospects are saying that. A lot of basketball prospects. Um, so what do they mean by the plan for them? Because you all really do a good job once they get to campus saying, look, here's what you're going to do. Here's how we're going to do this. And then that's when they understand it. Um, it's a tiebreaker now because if I understand that you've actually sat down and developed a step-by-step -step plan, what you want to see me do as a freshman when I first get here, but then what is my role? Am I going to travel? Oh, not much travel? Okay. So if I'm not going to do much my freshman year in terms of competition, why should I be here again? Oh, you're going to be training me. Oh, I have to strengthen my footwork. Whatever it is, I need to know that. And the more that you can define that for me as a coach, that gives me an understanding as the prospect that that's the school I want to go to. And again, think about the context. All the other questions have been answered. I've whittled down into my final three, final four, final five. It's you and two or three or four other programs. I like something about everybody. I could probably be happy, in my mind as a student athlete, at each school, but I still have to pick one. What is my emotional way to do that? Well, we've talked about it in the years past how the team made them feel, how you make them feel. An extension of that gets to the very practical side of you can explain the plan for them better than the other coach, and it sounds more detailed, down to specifically how much they're going to compete, what they need to work on, where they lack, here's what you're good at, here's what we want to do with you, and as far out realistically as you can, as you can draw that out, that, that is turning out to be an incredible tiebreaker. So if right now you're thinking of kids where you are in the final three or final four schools, and they seem to be, uh, I'm, still got, I'm still deciding, coach, I'm still going to wait through you know, the fall or after the new year or start my spring season or whatever they're telling you, there's a very, very good chance that they're trying to figure out which coach really seems to want me, and if I go there, am I going to develop as, as an athlete? If you define the plan for them, if you go back after talking to their parents, you go back and the second thing you do is talk to them about what your plan is and you can detail it out. Watch what that does for movement. Watch what that does for them feeling like, okay, now what's the next step? Because most coaches don't do that until they get to campus. You're all great once they get out on the track about what the development is and what their weaknesses are and here's how we're going to fix it. Do it beforehand because that's what they're looking for is a tiebreaker. That's their practical way of making a decision. They don't, sometimes don't have all the control over the money. They don't have the control over um, the experience level and what my parents think. But I do know 
as an athlete, what I want, especially as a track and field athlete, which is a coach that understands what my weaknesses and strengths are, how are they going to get me better, what does my career there look like, and can this coach get me there? That's something that is, again, turns out to be this, this tiebreaker. Um, and what we're hearing from coaches that we work with is that after they have this, this talk, the first thing is, if they haven't visited campus yet, almost within you know, a week, two weeks, they start to get kids and say, okay, now I have a date to come to campus. All of a sudden, they found the time. Why? Because they found out that you actually do care about them, you do want them, and you actually sat down and made a plan for them. And they're impressed by that. That's what they're looking for. So, and if you've already been to campus, all of a sudden, now they'll start to pay attention to that deadline you set. Or they'll start, to ex they'll start to ask questions about the process. That's the other cue that you can get. Once you know a kid's interested, okay, so when would I have to register for the dorms? Or who helps me choose my classes? All those are, I'm already picturing myself at your school, and now I want to know the process. Even though I haven't committed, I'm giving you cues that I'm ready to commit. So one of the things by going over the plan with them is it jumps ahead of all, a bunch of other little objections that might get in their way, and gets them closer to that school. And coaches that we're working with are reporting that when they use that strategy, that is working for them. Um, ultimately, they're looking for proof that they matter. I mean, as a teenager, didn't you want that? Didn't you want to matter? Didn't you want to have a place and a defined role of, in some family or team or something? I want to know what my role is. Um, this is one of the ways early on, without being face-to-face -face with you day after day uh, on the track, this is one of the ways I think as a prospect I could assign importance and that if it's important to you that must, you mean, that must mean that I as a prospect matter to you. And so they respond to that. If this is the proof that they matter and in terms of how to do it, um, I'll say again, define for them as early as possible. When you go back, if you haven't yet done this with a recruit on your list that you really want, could be a phone call tonight, a text, say, hey, you know what, I was thinking about today, I've never really explained what I'm picturing, what I've drawn out as the plan for you. Can we talk about that? And then go step by step, what, especially what their freshman year looks like. Don't be afraid to say, here's what you need to work on, but here's how we're going to get you past that. Go into the development side. When you do that on the phone, ideally, but via text, or if they're coming on the campus soon, you're doing it there in front of them with their parents is, is great. When you do that, listen to, listen to their reaction. Watch their body language. It changes. Because now you're not talking about your school or the degree or how many acres campus is or all this other stuff. You're talking about me, and that's what I know. I don't know you yet. I know me, and I know what I want. And now if you're a coach that explains to me that you've thought about me so much that you've created this plan before I even got there, that's almost impossible to resist. So many of your kids right now as we sit here are waiting for a coach to tell them, here's the plan. Promise you tonight, if you go out and try that, and you see me or later on or you want to call later, you will have a good report. You'll see a reaction for them. That's how coaches are doing it. All right, so again, just to sort of summarize the trends and again, to give you context, they're valuing the overall quality and experience more. So it's not just about your facility. It's not just about the championships. It's the whole thing 
because I saw my, my older sister, my older brother go through it, and they didn't get that during COVID. I want that. I need to showcase that and explain how that's going to happen as a coach. I'm going to value more than just the athletic side and more than just the school side. It's the complete package. And I, as the prospect, am looking at you and you and you and you to tell me about that. Not admissions, not the brochure, not the cruddy website. It's you. You are the person I'm listening to as the prospect. You have to define it. Please understand that cost is rising as a main decision point. And I don't think it's going to change going into 2024. Um, just understand that, that money and talking about it and getting really comfortable with talking about it is important. And look, as I know, I say that for younger coaches especially, we find that's one of the biggest training. If we do a workshop on campus or come to train, our staff really spends a lot of time with younger athletes, I'm sorry, younger coaches who are a year or two or three years out of school. How do you talk to a parent in their 50s who's making a whole lot more than you are right now at this point in your career about why they should spend all this money at your college. That's intimidating. And you feel like, well, look, I, I don't want to do that. You have to get comfortable talking about it because they're listening to you as an authority figure and as a representative of, of who you are as a program and a college and an institution. And I need to, I, somebody has to tell me, and I'm going to listen to you. Thank you very much. College Recruiting Weekly is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2022 through 2023. To contact the host, email him at dan at dantutor.com. And do us a solid, Coach. Rate and review our podcast right now. Plus, it wouldn't kill you to tell your fellow coaches about it, would it? So do that, too. And stay tuned for the next amazing episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Oh, oh, oh.